Hi, this is Eddie Markham, pastor of River of Life Church, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for taking the time and listening to our podcast. Hopefully you're going to be inspired and impacted by our message today. I also want to let you know what's going on here at River of Life. God has just been blessing us, and we have outgrown our facility, and the time has come for us to get into a new building. We need to get into a bigger building. So we have kicked off a building campaign this year, and we are moving forward, and God is blessing it. So we are reaching out to you, our podcast listening audience, and just want to encourage you that if you would like to participate and make a donation into our building fund, please head over to our website. It's www.rol-ag.com. And right on the homepage there is a little donate button. Click on that, follow the instructions, and just sow your seeds, sow into this ministry, and help us make this happen. I want to say thank you in advance, and I pray God continue to bless you and impact your life as you listen to the ministry at River of Life. With me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to start a new series this month. I'm really excited about uh, preaching it for two reasons. Uh, one is I'm always, I'm, I'm excited at the revelation that God has given me. Two, I'm going to be preaching about my boy, my guy named David. I'm going to start a series called David, the King of Relationships. I'm, I'm, I haven't preached on David all year, and I've been wanting to also talk about relationships, so I'm going to do it together. I've never done this before, never heard this done before, but man, God just began to just, he's been getting me up early in the morning and just been speaking in my heart and just downloading so many things in my life about this here. And so we're going to go for where it talk today about where it all began for King David, and uh, he's introduced to us in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, but let me just read this to you at first. Relationships are so important. We're wired for relationships, and God designed us that way, and so I want to talk about David. David came practically out of nowhere, as you're going to see. He came out of nowhere. He's a, he's a nobody, basically, and he ended up being Israel's most successful king. Israel never lost one battle. Listen to the historic. This isn't a biblical fact. This is a historical fact that not only, but it is both, that Israel never lost a battle under King David, under his leadership. But what stands out about David, as you're going to see, is his style, which was his strength. He was a relational leader, just like Jesus was. Jesus ate with sinners. He, he just wasn't up here speaking and going home. He lived with people. How I many know oh, you got to come alongside people? And in order to make it, you got to have somebody come alongside of you. Four of you agree with that. Come on. Amen. You hear me today? Come on. Come on. Amen. That's what David was. That was one of his strength. And when you have the right relationships in your life, it causes you to be better. I want you to see this in the screen in 1 Samuel. This is how David started when he first, his administration started. This was his team of workers that's going to change the world. Woo, they're going to change the world. Watch this. And everyone who was distressed, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. There you go. Go change the world, David. That's your team. How many ever played pick them up softball or anything like that? Amen. You start eyeballing talent as they come walking on the field, right? Amen. You start looking. You're like, nope, that guy right there can't leave the Oreos alone. Let's move over here. You're looking for someone that's coming on. But David wasn't like that. God's not like that. God will pick people. Nobody you pick. That's That's why you're here. Look at that. Look at these people. There were 400 of them. But let me tell you something. Fast forward five years later, these became known as David's mighty men. I don't have time to tell you about David's mighty men. 
One dude went down and killed 3,000 Egyptians. They got into a fight. And the Bible says when this one warrior and his armor bearer were done, that they had to grab the sword and pry it out of his hand because he was just a bad ninja kicking, flying, slinging everything. That was just one of these dudes. He was broke, busted, disgusted, and depressed when King David met him. But if you will hook up yourself with the right relationship and with a healthy relationship, God will bring you to a whole new level and a different level in your whole life. One, one of these guys jumped down into a pit, the Bible says, on a snowy day and a, fought and killed a leopard. He is psycho. I'm just telling you that right now. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's what, but look how they started. I want you to see how they started. I want you to see how they started. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at David. And I got it. Every week's going to be David and somebody else. David and Jonathan, as we look next week about how to cultivate, how to have healthy relationships, the beauty of friendship. David and Saul, we're going to deal with rejection and criticism in relationships. Without a Saul, you will remain a shepherd boy. Oh, gosh, help me. You don't want to miss the Harvest Festival weekend. Bring a friend because that's going to be very evangelistic. We're going to talk about David and Abner, how to detach from toxic relationships. Relationships that will leave you in the graveyard. And you just don't want to miss that service. But today, I want to talk about David and God, single but not alone. First Samuel chapter 16, Samuel is coming to anoint the next king. And he comes to the house of Jesse. And Jesse is a man, a family, and he's got all these sons, and they're all great warriors. This is like a talent scout coming looking for the next NFL star. So Coach Daddy Jesse brings his best best athletes outside, and he says, Coach, come check him out, this guy here. And so here we pick up the story in verse 6. So it was when they all came, all the sons, that he, that's Samuel, he looked at Eliab, that's the oldest, and Eliab said to himself, Surely this is the Lord's anointed that's standing before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the physical stature because I have refused him. How many know that you can judge a book by its cover and miss it? How many know in a relationship you can miss it? (laughs) Okay. Then he says in verse 8, so Jesse called Abinadab. I got to back up and look for I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart that's so key so Jesse called Abinadab his next son and made him walk in front of Samuel and he said neither has the Lord chosen this one Shammah came the Lord said nope not him Jesse made all seven of his sons pass and Samuel said nope 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 verse 11 Samuel said to Jesse are all of the young men here surely I know God told me to come out here surely I knew that there was something good that's out here what am I missing do you have somebody else Jesse look what Jesse says yeah I do got one he's the youngest and there he is out there keeping sheep he's not really a warrior he's not really the most talented he's not really the most gifted you don't really even see much in him at all so we didn't even include him in this little competition I'll paraphrase it. Samuel said, I'm not going to sit down and none of you other boys are going to leave this room until you bring that little boy in here. And the Bible says, as he come in, King David had no idea what was happening. Here he come, verse 12. So we went and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and bright eyes and good looking. I like him already. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. You got to notice the Jewish people are normally dark complected, dark eyes. 
They look totally different. This guy even looked different. David even looked different. We would call him the black sheep of the family. How many think you're a black sheep of the family? You're just a little different in here. That's how David was. He looked even different. But God said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Thank you for your word today. I pray a blessing on our ears and our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell someone before you're seated, you're not alone. Tell them again, you're not alone. You're not alone. You may be seated. Single but not alone. Now, I'm going to kind of let you in on something. I'm not going to talk about being single today so all the single people can go, thank you, Jesus, amen. None of that awkwardness I'm going to bring in here. I'm not. So when I say single but not alone, I, I want to address us as individuals. That's what I mean by being single is about being individuals. Single, being single is just a status, and that can change, right? Amen? But who we are as an individual is who you're going to be for the rest of your life. So we need to talk about you before we talk about you and your your friends and any other relationship. Before I begin to talk about how to find a good friend and all the beauty things and benefits that come in relationships, I need to address, we need to make sure that we got it right in here. Because what happens in marriages and in friendships is really not the marriage itself. Hear me now. The, the, I've been married 26 years. I've been pastoring for five. been a youth pastor for 11. So I've been in church and ministry around families, around couples, around marriages for a long time. My wife and I do marriage counseling all the time. My wife's in, right now getting her degree in Christian psychology and Christian. It, it's a need that's out there. All of us can use some room of improvement. Come on, somebody. How many can say there's some area of improvement? Okay. The rest of you is lying in the house of God. Come on, somebody. We all can use a, a improvement. But what really happens, listen to me, this is so true. What really happens in the problems that happen in friendships and relationships is not the unit. It's not the couple. It's not the marriage. It's not the friendship. But it's the problems that are within the individual I had a motorcycle, and my, my dad and I, we used to go riding all the time, and my bike was brand new. I bought a used bike. I went to the Honda dealer, and they had a one on the floor, and I bought it. It was a discounted price because it was used, and I was so happy to get it. It was only like a year old, and it was beautiful. Uh, 2000, it was so nice. It was a little uh, Honda 750. It was just beautiful, two-tone, black and chrome, metallic. Uh, silver and pearl, uh, had a lot of chromed out, it was sweet, I loved it, anyway, I'd go riding on my bike, and when I got over a certain amount of uh, speed, when I started building momentum, it started to go faster, it would begin to shake on me, it would begin to vibrate, and I thought something was wrong with my bike, and uh, let me back up, when I went to go pick up my bike after I bought it, they said they're shipping it from the dealer in, in Ohio, uh, that's where they made my bike, it was in Ohio, they have a dealer down here, the Honda, anyway, it came. when it came, they made a mistake, and gave me a brand spanking new bike. Don't be jealous. Be happy. And they were back there for like an hour arguing and debating what they're going to do because I didn't pay for a brand new bike. And uh, they, I went back there and said, what hey, it's your mess up. This happened more than once, by the way, that I've been blessed like that. I mean, they had to rip the plastic off of that thing. It was brand new. No one, it had 0.1 mile. They test drive it in the factory around the warehouse. I was the first one. Get on that baby. Come on, somebody. God is good. I'm just telling you. So anyway, it was a brand new bike. But I thought, man, what is wrong with this? And I took it into a, a dealer. And the guy looked at it and he said, nothing is wrong 
with your unit. They actually call it a unit. They said, nothing's wrong with your unit. It's brand new. The problem is your front wheel. The spokes are loose. And when you begin to go fast and you begin to pick up momentum, it can't handle the speed and it can't handle the momentum. So it starts to give because your spokes are really loose. It needs to be adjusted. And by the way, your back wheel needs some tread on it. Are you starting to slide a little bit when you turn? I said, yes. And the point is this. Nothing was wrong with the unit. Nothing is wrong with having friends. Nothing is wrong a lot of times in our friendships and in our marriages. What is wrong is our individual issues that we have got to allow the God to come in and tighten up some spokes and put some tread on our life and begin to fix us before he tries to fix people. (laughs) This is going to be a long day. uh, I'm guessing already. In other words, a marriage or a relationship won't fix your single problems. It won't fix our problems as we have as people just by going into a relationship. We always think, man, if I could just get into a relationship, that's going to fix me. No, that's not the reason why we should get into relationships. we got to deal with these issues that God has going, that God wants to do in our life. So how it all started today is what I'm going to talk about is David and God. Because before David had a mentor, before he had a best friend, how many would admit you got a best friend? How many of you has got a friend? Somebody that's friend, a best friend. Come on, amen, 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 amen. How many want a best friend? Come on, put it up, amen, amen. Everyone put your hand up. Look around right now. They want a best friend. There you go, right there. Anyway, that's how you go. Listen, David, before David had, before David, listen, before David had a mentor, so good. Before David had a friend, what he had was verse 13. He had the spirit of God. This was, this was David's first relationship. It was his first love. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. That is his first love. I've always preached and said that the cornerstone of all relationships is the first relationship that was in the Bible. And the first relationship in the Bible was Adam and Eve. That's the first, that's the cornerstone of all relationships. But I've been, I was wrong. Adam and Eve is not the first relationship in the Bible. It's Adam and God. We think that it was Eve that came in and Adam was all happy day, happy day. No, it was not like that. Adam had to learn some things first and get his life, get him prepared and get him ready to take on this relationship, the responsibilities of a relationship. So his first love was not Eve, it was God. And David's first relationship in his life was not Jonathan, it was not his wife, it was not his family. His first relationship and his first love was with God. So number one is relationship with Christ. But let me drive down on this. This, These are some of the things that we've got to get fixed and make sure we have as individuals before we get into a relationship. That's what I'm giving you today from King David, and this is what he had going on. And number one is he had a relationship with God. But I want to show you something. When I say a relationship with God, I'm not talking about being a believer. I'm not talking about, yeah, you go to church. I got that, Pastor Eddie. Move on to the next one. No, no, I think we kind of, we miss what I mean, and we miss something very important here. I said it a minute ago. I don't know if you caught it. God was David's first love. So I'm going to ask you today, if there's something that happens in your relationship with God when you become a believer as you move from a believer and from believing in God to loving God. 
So when I say that the first thing that has to be working in our life is God, our relationship, what I mean by that is you've got to have a love and a love for God and a living and thriving, flourishing relationship with God, number one. This, first, this same verse that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David is the very same verse that uh, we have about Samson. In Judges, the Bible says when Samson started his ministry that the Spirit of the Lord, just like it did David, came upon Samson. If you go back and you read Samson, Samson did not make it to the end. Everyone else reigned for 40 years. He only did his ministry for 20 years. In other words, he failed in his relationships. Remember, he put his head, he had a ladies' problem. He loved being around the ladies. Remember Delilah and all of this stuff. The Bible says he put his head in the lap of Delilah and told her his strength and his secret, and she cut off his anointing. She cut off his hair. I'm telling you, that's the same thing. His problem was they both were anointed. They both were given the Spirit of God, but One just wanted God to make him be more uh, successful, to rip off gates and to see what he can get from God. David said, I don't need to be on a stage. I don't need a platform. I'm just a lover of God. I want to cultivate my love and my passion for God. Come on, give him some praise right now. Give him some praise right now. So listen, what I I mean mean by that is, is the relationship with God is how is your love life with God? How many believe in God? I want to ask you this, and I mean it. Don't be. I want, and don't answer me. You answer it in your heart. If you raise your hand, I'm going to rebuke you. But I want you to seriously get this because we fly over this and think it's something in church. Do you love Jesus? How how is your love life with Jesus? I mean, do you, do you passionately love Jesus? When I first got saved, I didn't put a lot of bumper stickers in my car. I, I said this, uh, I've never, you know, I had a friend of mine that did. When he got saved, man, he put like the whole New Testament on the back of his van. I mean, he drove down the street and it was like, wow, it was all, I mean, that, was, that was awesome. And I have no problem if you want to do that. But I only had one bumper sticker on my car when I first got saved. And it says, it said, real men love Jesus. Now, you got to remember my background. I mean, here's a little thug from Southwest, and I'm real men. That was a huge thing. But you know what? When I put that on, my dad, I, I just put it on because I just wanted everybody to know that real men, this is what, because I was told all my life that this is what a man is. And then when I fell in love with Jesus, which is weird to say, I remember when I went from believing the Jesus to loving Jesus. Hear what I'm saying. There's a shift that's got to happen in your relationship with God. You're saved the moment you believe in him. But let me be honest with you. It does take a little bit of time and cultivation for you to really love God. Now, the potential is there. He gives us the love of God. It's poured into my heart. But for you to honestly say, I love Jesus. And really mean it. I'm telling you, man, that, that takes growth. That takes, that takes something that you don't have in the very beginning. What am I saying? you got to cultivate that love and that passion for Jesus. My pastor at, at uh, our church used to, is a big, giant, mega church, and he was just a, a soul winner. He just loved Jesus. Man, he just loved Jesus. And he would go to a restaurant, and he would be sitting with one of his friends, and God would just tell him, hey, man, I want you to do this. And he would take a spoon, and he'd go ding, 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 ding in the restaurant. And everybody would look over, and he would stand up. He goes, attention, everyone. I want everyone to know that I'm in love with another man. 
Okay, now this was probably 20 years ago, so it means a little something different. than I mean, you know, but it, it was like shocking. And every, he'd get everybody's attention and he would say, this man is Jesus Christ. And he has totally changed my life. And if you would like to know more about this Jesus and how he can change your life, I invite you to come over to my table at any time while I'm here, and I'd love to tell you more about it. Thank you for your time. Finish your meal. God bless you. And he'd sit down. Classy, bold, powerful. And he said he's never done that and has never not one time had anyone come to his table afterwards and at least not encourage him or at least ask him more about Jesus. Now, let me ask you, could you do that? Come on. Amen. Could you do that? You, some would say, I'm just not there yet. Amen. At least you can admit it. And there's times when I, I go to do that. But that's a self-examination, a self-adjustment that I make in my life. I'm always saying, God, but I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to get to that place where I, I really, really love you. Well, how does that have to do with relationships? Everything. I want to show you this verse right here. The Pharisees came to Jesus one time, and, and they're asking him about relationships. And they said to Jesus, they tried to trick him and trip him up. They said, Jesus, there was this woman who was married to this man, and this man died before they had kids. So the law says for her to marry his brother. And so he married her, and he died without them having kids. And so it was that this happened seven times. Now, Jesus, whose wife will she be in heaven? And I can see him like fist pumping. Like, yeah, we got him. We got him. We tricked Jesus. And Jesus replies with this statement, you don't know the power of God nor the scriptures. <laughs> That's how he started. And then he began, he began to say this powerful, now he says this verse that we've all heard. But I want you to see it. In, in the context of relationships, he says in Matthew, he says, you must love, not believe. Not believe. Catch this. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. Everything that you have, you need to love God. It's a shame that he has to command us to love him. He says, I can't make you do it, but at least I'm going to command you to do it. Which tells me that sometimes even if I don't feel it, and even though I don't, when I didn't have that fire that I love Jesus of putting the bumpers, when I didn't have it, I still, I would begin to develop patterns in my life and come to church and open the word and begin to praise him. And all of a sudden, the fire begin to come into my life. All of a sudden, that passion for Jesus begin to come in my life. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, body, and soul, and your mind. Now watch this. And then he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law. I love that last sentence. Because everyone says, Pastor Ed, what do I got to do in order to really please God and to live this Christian life? And do I have to know what the prophets and the law and the New Testament and forgiving people and giving and praising and worship? Man, I got all this stuff going on. What do I do? And he makes it simple. He says, there's only one thing that you've got to make sure that you've got, you've got this going on in your life. And that is to love God with everything that you have. And the whole Bible will be fulfilled if you really, really, really love God. Carry that into relationships. If you really, really, really love your spouse, if you really, really love your friend, won't you be there for them? Won't you go the second mile? Won't you listen to them? Won't you give and not just be draining? Won't you begin to give praises and criticism? It changes everything. That's what he says here. But I want you to focus on that second part. He says, and the second is as equally important. He didn't say it's almost as important. He says it is equally important as loving God, and that is what? Loving your neighbor. 
But did you catch the prerequisite there? That's what I want to show you. The prerequisite for you and I loving our neighbor is to love ourselves. In other words, God says, how can you love a friend or how can you love a spouse when you don't even love yourself? I hate myself. I hate, I'm too short, I'm too tall, I'm too dark, I'm too light. I wish I had this, I wish I didn't have this, I wish I could change. How many times have we said that? How many times have we looked in the mirror and complained against God? Well, he's saying this, he's saying, if you don't even like yourself, then how in the world do you expect me to give you someone to love? So then he gives us the answer, is loving God. When you, why, why? And how does that work, Pastor Eddie? How does loving God help me to love others or love myself and love others? It's simple. When you begin to love God with all of your heart, you begin to see yourself as God sees you. Come on, come on, help me. You begin to see your, not your faults, but you begin to believe and, and really accept that you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And you begin to say, I'm okay, just the way, I'm happy with just the way I am. If I need to do something and change my hair and do it, but as far as who I am, that's who God's made me, and I'm fine just the way I am, God. I'm happy just the way you made me. I thank you the way you made nobody else like me nobody else has my fingerprint nobody else has all my thoughts it's just simple the way you made me so you love God when you really really love God you will love yourself and then you will love others that's that simple I'm not talking about a selfish love a narcissistic love I'm talking about a love where you can say hey man I'm fine with the way I am. Jesus said, if you get that right, you'll get everything else right. Church tradition tells us that John the apostle, he was the last disciple to die. And he was, we know he died right around 100 years old. So right around that time, church tradition records that he came to the temple on a, on a Sabbath, he, on a Sunday, the first day of the week. He came and the word got out that John was in the church. Could you imagine could you imagine that? And so they, they told the priest that, hey, John's here. John, John the beloved. And church tradition says they wouldn't got him. He's a very old man. They had to help him up. And they said, please come up and address the church. Please come up and tell us. Tell us, how was it, man? How, how was it with Jesus, man? I know uh, Nero tried to kill you and persecute you and, or the persecution of the church is happening. This is right before he was exiled. This isn't in the Bible. This is a church history, though. We have a lot of, of this. I believe this happened. And they brought John up and they said, John, tell us, tell us one thing that Jesus said to do. And everyone said that he said three words. Love one another. This happened. And he wouldn't sat down. And they, and they said, oh, man, John, come on. You got to give us something more of that. So they went all the way back there. And they said, John, come on, tell us more. Tell us more. Why, why did you just say that? He, he said, he looks at him and he says, because this is the newest commandment. And the only thing that Jesus commanded us to do, and this one thing is what will change everything, if you would just obey this one commandment. If we would just learn to have the love of God in our heart, watch this, it will make you a better friend. It will make you a better husband. It will make you a better wife. It made David a better leader because he had a relationship with God. He just didn't believe in a God. He would ask God, 
before he would make a decision. You always read this about David. You won't read it about Saul. You won't read it about any other king, but it always says this. And David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord before he did that, before he did anything. Why? Because he loved his Jesus. He had that relationship going with the Lord. You getting anything out of this today? Your relationship with Christ, before we move on, is so important. I could go all day on, on this one thing. It also is what's going to carry you through life and through experiences of friendships and breakups. Which I, can't, I can't wait to get that to that message. But what kept David through all of his ups and downs was his relationship with Jesus. I mean, he lost a child. Probably the worst experience in the human experience from a parent's perspective, I can only imagine what it would be like. And this was a baby that he lost. But you will not find King David losing his mind and going on a binge and just going into some substance and, and, and getting hooked on all these problems. And I, and I appreciate medicine. And yes, I have no problem with that. I believe God has blessed us. But this is 4,000 years ago. David lost a child. Do you know how he made it through that rough low point of his life? He went into the presence of God. Hear me. He got down on his face. And he just wept and cried and laid before God for days. The Bible says he wouldn't eat or he wouldn't drink. But he would get in the presence of God and he would say, God, I don't know what happened. But all I know is I need you in this moment. God, I need you to fill me with love. I need you to make me better and not bitter. I need you to take this, this emptiness out of my heart. He began to lean into God. And I'm telling you, if you don't have God, you won't be able to do life. I, I, I say that again. If you don't have, I don't know how people make it through life without a relationship with God. And when the baby passed, you read what happened. He got up and he dried his eyes and he went and he ate. And his, his servants was like, how can David get up and eat after this news? I don't understand. And they wouldn't ask this. They said, King David, how, how are you eating right now? How are you going on with life right now? You just lost, lost a child. You were in there for days. You were going to church, man, when, when your life was falling apart. I mean, you're doing this. Now you're just going to continue to go. How did you do it? And David gave us that great scripture that has comforted so many tragedies throughout history. And he said this right here. He said, this one thing I do know. In other words, I don't know why everything happened. But this I do know is that baby cannot come back to me. But one day I'm going to go back and I'm going to be with my baby. It's going to be all right because I got a God and I love my God and he's going to take care of me. Thank you, Jesus. You got to get that relationship working as an individual. It's got to get it's got to get going. The second thing I see in David, you talk about fixing the spokes. You talk about putting some tread on that wheel. What do I need? In my life, what did David had that helped him be one of the most successful relational kings ever is this. He simply knew who he was, his identity in Christ. I can't tell you how important this is. I said, I can't tell you how important this is. Do you know who you are? Do you have that, I can't believe to tell you what will happen in your life when you finally get it resolved, who you are in Christ. You are the righteousness. You're not, you don't walk around in condemnation. You don't walk around in guilt. You're not looking for someone in another relationship to tell you who you are. You already know who you are. You've accepted all of you. You know who you are. Remember that old song? I know who I am. That's so powerful. David knew who he was. In the New Testament, David's never described as being a giant killer. 
He's not called in the New Testament. David, the giant killer. David, the ladies' man. David, the king of Israel. David, the most successful king. David, the one that killed the Philistines. David's not called any of that in the New Testament when they're talking about David. There's only one adjective that's used to describe him, and it's this. David was a man after God's own heart. Help me preach today. He was a man that was after God's own heart. What I'm saying is you've got to learn the difference between your assignment and your identity. Your assignment and your identity. When King David, when David was brought in front of his brothers, the prophet poured oil on his head. He was not giving him his identity. Your marriage is not giving you your identity. The marriage is just for everyone to look at and recognize that these two are entering into a relationship. The wedding is fine, but how is the marriage? The problem happens in marriages is because nothing was wrong with the wedding. Everything was fine. You look beautiful. He looked handsome. The problem, the reason why it fell apart is because there's problems in the end individuals Woo, help me I'm trying to help don't get mad get glad don't get bitter get better come on somebody say God do it in me do I want to learn from this so here it is your marriage is not your identity your marriage is your assignment you're parenting. You're a parent. That's not your identity. That's your assignment. Your singleness is not your identity. It's simply your assignment because assignments will change, but your identity must never change. I think I'm preaching better. I think I'm preaching better. I said your, your identity must never change, but your, your assignments always change. I'm a pastor of your church. I'm the lead pastor at River of Life for five years. Amen. I'm just, I meant, thank you. Amen. But you know what I'm saying? That's not who I am. That's what I do. Before that, guess what? I was a youth pastor. Before that, I drove the church fan. I cut the grass. I was a board member. I, I, before I got elected to the board, I was a greeter at our church. I was, I was there. Heaven wants, I was a drummer. This guy here was my boss. You know how hard it is to work for your little brother? Telling me to be on time about practice. Practice? Practice? <laughs> I remember AI. Okay, anyway, practice. Yeah, we're going to learn this song. How many times do we got to practice, Steve? Let's just do it. You know what I'm saying? We can, but you had to do it. And you know what? I, I begin to just be, hey, that's just what I did. But the whole time throughout my ministry, there's one thing that hasn't changed. I'm a man that's seeking God. I said, I'm a man seeking God. That's it. That's it. I'm a daddy. I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. Them are all my assignments. But one thing that will never change, but by the help and the grace of God, to my dying breath, I'm going to be a man that says, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after you. Take not your spirit from me. Let my talents go. Let my giftings go. Let my anointing even fade. But one thing I don't want you to take is your spirit from me. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Come on, give him praise. That anointing, that anointing, listen, that he poured on him was to empower him for his assignment. So when they brought David in, I got to get down here. When they brought David in to kill the giant, 
What'd they do? Saul said, in order for you to be a giant killer, you've got to put on my identity. I can't tell you how so many people try to give you their identity. And so many people are looking for you to give me my identity. Nobody can give you your identity. It's only found in Christ. And until you realize that, you're going to mess up every relationship, every friendship that God puts you in. I'm trying. David was little. He was ruddy. And Saul said, man, I've been doing this a long time. You need to put my armor on you. You need to preach like I preach. You need to do it like I do. You need to do it like Joyce Meyer. You need to do it like T.D. Jakes. Let me tell you something. You may glean from all of them, and whoever mentors you, you will have a little bit of their style, but whatever you do in life, you've got to learn to step out of them. You are not your mentor. Joshua was not Moses. Timothy was not Paul. You've got to learn to step into what God's called you to do and do what you can do. David said, take that armor off me. Take that armor off me. Because guess what? Before you anointed me, Samuel, thank you for doing that. You messed my hair up with that oil, bro. But anyway, but before you did that, before any of y'all knew who I was, before I had Reverend James Eddie Mark, before that, I was already a killer. I killed a lion and a bear. You didn't know about it, but I was on the backside of the wilderness when no one saw me, when no one would come and hear me preach, when no one would come and hear me sing. I, I would sit there and sing and preach and worship God. I love what Israel Holton said years ago. He said he would go home, Steve, and before he had an audience, he would set up his, set up his G.I. Joes in his bedroom. And Israel Holton would begin to sing songs. You know, he would be singing them songs. I can't remember which one now, but he would sing. So I'm going to make one up right now. Are you ready? Here we go. In the key of Pastor Eddie. Woo! He would begin to sing, Jesus let your anointing fall. He would just begin to sing to his little G.I. Joes. And he said he would feel blessed and touch one of them and fall over in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, because God is powerful. But I listened to that man of God talk, and he said it was way before a crowd. The next, he said he learned that that is his identity, was a worshiper, not a performer, not an entertainer. So he would say, God, before I get a stage, let me get your glory. Before you put me in front of people, let me please your heart, God. drugs hallelujah he began to worship he began to worship to them little them little toys and God began to bring them gave him another assignment God to give you an assignment I love talking about relationships guys if you are single you need to find a Proverbs 31 woman when you go to Proverbs 31 it's the last chapter God saves the best for last. Come on, somebody. My wife said that's why God made Eve last. Anyway, you know, behind every great man of God is a woman rolling her eyes. (laughs) So what was I saying? Proverbs 31. When you go there, you're going to find a description of my wife. I'm just kidding. Okay, that's enough. No, seriously. You're going to find a boss. Go to Proverbs 31. It's amazing. This woman, the Bible says, gets up while it's still called dark, while it's still dark. She goes to work. She's industrious. 
She's strong. She don't even really need a man. Come on, somebody. I mean, read that. I mean, she's a go-getter. She knows who she is. Her, her children wake up calling her blessed. In other words, it's so strong of an influence that her kids walk in her integrity. Her husband, she's a crown on her husband. In other words, she makes him look good. It ain't all him. It's my crown that makes him look good. She's so strong, so confident, so beautiful, so powerful inside and out. Why? Because she knows who she is. And when you know who you are, let me give you this, as I haven't ran around enough you can, she's running. This is how I use this. She's running. She's running after her purpose. She, she knows who she is. So she knows what she's going to do in life. She has a career, but that's just an assignment. She still gets up and she seeks God. Do you still have a little prayer shack? Do you still go after God? I'm telling you, because it's not something that you do. It's something that you are. So she's running after God. And when you begin to learn and run after God, what happens is soon you're running all by yourself, pursuing God. Then all of a sudden you look over and there's a dude running right alongside of you because he knows his identity. He's running after God and he's going, you're not looking for him. He's just running right after you. And in the, in the, the journey of running after God, when you know your purpose, God says, hey, this one's for you. This one's for you. Did you get anything out of that? But you know what happens? A lot of the times, especially us fellas, we're running. We got our gym shoes on. Oh, they're sweet. We're booking. We're running. We're sprinters. Okay, God, it's been five days. Whew, I'm doing this God thing. Where's she at? <laughs> and then we start running like this. You know, long story short, we start doing this. We start doing, okay, God, let me help you. <laughs> no. We go looking. This is true. After a while, And you know what? I, I've seen this. Soon as they go there, all of a sudden, boom. She got it. Anybody else get it? You hear me? You hear me? You hear me? It happens all the time. God, I just need friends. I just need this. I just need that. What you got to make sure you got is your relationship going with Christ you got to know who you are in your identity. And number three is you got to learn to be content in Christ. Paul said he had to learn this in Philippians 4, and I'm closing with this. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have what? Learned to be content. Then he says it again. I've learned the secret. You know he's writing this from a Roman prison. Let me give you some context. It's easy for you to say, Pastor Eddie. It's easy for Paul to say he was doing miracles. He was doing all these great things. He's in prison, a Roman prison, and he's writing to people that have freedom. He's single. He never even had a wife in his whole life. He never had any of that. He was poor. He was made fun of. He was mocked for his faith, but yet he writes, and he says, it don't even bother me because I've learned the secret. Let me say it like this. If you haven't learned the art of contentment when you're single, you won't practice it when you're married. Pastor Steve, won't you come? Please stand with me today. If you don't learn the art of contentment, it's an art. It's something you've got to learn to do. If you don't learn it in our relationship, if we don't learn contentment, we won't practice it in life. 
Do you know how David was sitting out there? I love David. You notice it didn't even bother him that his own dad didn't bring him in to even run and even have a chance. His own dad didn't see the potential in him. Let me, let me go deep with you. hit you with this before you go. His brothers, he's the youngest of seven, and they were warriors. But you know what gets me is David, it didn't even bother him. He's out there doing his everyday shepherd. <laughs> he's not having a pity party. He's not getting mad at God. He's not out there on Facebook. I don't even know. No, no, he's out there worshiping God. He's learned contentment. But let me end with this. Do you know also how good it must have felt for his name to get called? Brothers are out there, you know, yeah, you see me? Got some nice shoes on. It's on crispy, on point. They were up there bragging and bragging, and Samuel's going, nope, nope. If we would just have discernment, come on, somebody. I know he looks good. That cologne got him smelling fine. Look at them jeans. I ain't looking, but I'm just saying. You know, she looks so pretty. We judge so much. We judge so much, and it's wrong, wrong, wrong. God says, I want you to look at the heart, man. But this is for you today. This happens to all of us. If you stay faithful, if you learn who your relationship with God, if, you're, if you know your identity, if you're content with you and God. But I'm con- I was content, and I mean this with all of my heart. If God told me tomorrow to be a greeter at a church, I would gladly go and be a, gl- uh, a greeter. I do not have to do this what I'm doing, and I mean that. I will drum. In fact, I've been thinking about getting on the rotation. I'm just, Joe's like, come on, please, any more drummers. I don't have to do this. I do it because I know it's my assignment. So I'm going to do it with excellence. I don't care if it's hot. I don't care what building we're in. I'm going to preach like this if I'm at a school in Honduras or here because it's my assignment, and I'm going to do it with excellence. And one day, he's out there thinking, God, I don't know. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. I heard a message today. Pastor Ray told me to be content. Okay, God. I'm going to do it. I'm going to run. I love that Proverbs 31 analogy. That was cool. Okay, that's me. And he's gone, and he's gone. And all of a sudden, he might not even knew Samuel was in there. We don't know. So many different ways. But we do know is everyone heard the call. (laughs) It says that Samuel said, your brothers, I'm going to use your little brother. I want to see him. But don't leave the room. I want you to witness this. We're going to stay standing. Can I tell you there's going to come a day. If you will remain faithful with what God has given you, he will bring you openly in front of everybody and say, I know everyone thought you weren't going to last this long, but I'm getting ready to bless you in front of everybody that's been saying things about you and all the way around you. He knelt down in the middle. Samuel said, come here, David. Pop that cord. He's about 13, 14 years old. Begins to pour that oil on his head. Say, in the name of Jehovah God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Everyone knew what was happening. That anointing oil began to go down that little shepherd boy, that little nobody, that little misfit. He didn't even look Jewish. He didn't even, he couldn't do anything his brothers were training. He just sit there and stinky old sheep out in the backside of the wilderness. But now God's anointing him to be the king. Did you hear what I said? To be the king of Israel. And David never forgot that. That's why in the low points of his life, he writes in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I know a thing about shepherding. He's my shepherd in whom I will trust. He 
anoints me with oil. He prepares a table in the middle of my enemies. Why? Because I ain't never forgot that day. I ain't never forgot that day that you called my name and you anointed me for my assignment. How good that must have felt. How good that must have felt for David. He didn't know that it would take him 20 more years before he sat on that throne. We're going to find that out in the weeks to come. Who am I talking to today? Who's this message for today? Who's this message for today? Who needs this message today? Where's the Davids at? Where's some individuals out there that need more of God in your life today? Come on, put your hands up, put your hands up, put your hands up. Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence that's in this room right now. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you, God, for the assignment. Father, I pray that you do give assignments. I pray for every person that needs a healthy relationship. God, you would bring that into their life. Father, my prayer today is we would learn to be content with where we are. We would know our identity and who we are. And we would just fall madly in love with you, Jesus, and have you first. Help us, even those of us that's been serving you for years, let us not lose that love. Let us keep that love in Jesus' name. Now, go ahead and put your hands down with your heads bowed. Let me ask you this. Are you here today and you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Say, pray for me today, Pastor Eddie. That's me. Just lift your hand up right where you are. Say, pray for me today. I need to accept Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Anyone else? Come on. That's, this is your day. You need to accept Jesus. You need to get him in your heart. You need to get him in your life. Anyone else? Anyone else? Hallelujah. I'm going to pray this prayer. Pray it after me. Come on, pray it after me. Say, Heavenly Father, come to you today as a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me and wash me clean and make me new. From this day forward, help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to dismiss you. Now, if you need to get prayer going to go see a doctor, you need something going on in your life, if you need prayer, I want you to come to the front and don't leave without getting prayer today. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people. 